Good morning. This is exciting. I feel really privileged and blessed and honoured to share the word this morning with you guys because it's it's a privilege. Um, and yeah, so I just want to reiterate what Kirk just said there. With um, it's been twelve months. I can't believe twelve months has passed. And uh, I'm literally this is my second last Sunday. I'm I'm moving, driving back next Sunday to WA. And I wanted to say. Thank you to all of you here, because you are Pine River's Vineyard, you are the heart and soul of this place, and you have blessed my family and I. You have, my heart is full because of you guys. You have welcomed us in, we've grown here, we've become really nourished, and um, so now my time is coming to an end here. Um, and, and I've got to know so many of you here, but there's so many I haven't had the wonderful privilege of getting to know, and hopefully in the future when we return and have visit, I'll Take the time to get to know you guys then, but um, thank you. So um, get the first slide up. Here we go. So I'm going to talk about when God comes calling, which is a fitting message given what I've gone through. But I'm not going to talk too much about my story. I know some of you know my, my journey, but what I really want to talk about is how God, when he comes and he calls you, how that means for you. So 12 months ago, I was at home. Life was pretty cruisy. I was renovating, doing all sorts of things. And then someone comes and visits me from Queensland and comes and has dinner with me. And in that conversation, it opened up a whole new journey for me. And so just a little quiz here. Um, just going to get a show of hands. Who here knows what God has called them to? If you definitely know 100% what God has called me to. Come on, higher than that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And hands up if you, you sort of know or it's unfolding before you. Like if you've got some idea what God's, yeah. And hands up if, yeah. You're sort of in between the first one and two, yeah. <laughs> and hands up if you've got no idea about God's call in your life or what that even means. There's no wrong answers here. I just want you to think about that because obviously what I'm talking about this morning is calling. So I'm going to talk about what calling is. Next slide. What calling is, what it looks like, and what we're called to. So just a little background story. I grew up in a really lovely, loving, welcoming family. I was given everything I needed. Um, My needs were fully met. By all accounts, I was blessed. But my circumstances in life drew me down a different path and I got hooked up in drug addiction and a drug abuse at a really young age in my early teens and my late teens and I also got heavily involved in the occult and so I just went down a really dark path and I met the Lord when I was 19, I'm now 44, but when I met the Lord when I was 19, I didn't really have much to live for. I was very isolated I was dealing with rejection. I worked a lot, so I didn't have a lot of time to really process a lot of what I was going through. And so when I met Jesus, which was a very dramatic, supernatural encounter for me, it was very easy to give up my life and serve God because I had really nothing to live for. I had my family, but deep in my heart, I was lost. And that was manifesting through what I was doing. 
yeah, like I said, I had a very dramatic encounter with the Lord. So when I came into God and I came into the church, I dove headfirst into church life. I was praying for people. I was passionate about God. I'd share the gospel. Amazing times in God's presence. It was awesome. But then somewhere along the way, after about a couple of years, I started to lose momentum. I stopped sharing the gospel. I lost, it was almost like I was lost all over again. And I think looking back, I believe the reason why is because I didn't have a vision and I didn't have a sense of purpose. I didn't know what my calling was. Because you see, you and I, we've all been created to have vision. And he has uniquely called us with a purpose. When we don't know what that is, we know what the scripture says, that we, we perish, we stagnate. Uh, next slide. Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to read it in the New King James, uh, sorry, uh, New American verse, version first. It says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. I like this version. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Just let that sink in for a minute, guys, as you read that again. And in my early years as a Christian, I used to hear a lot of people talk about calling. I'm called to do this. I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be a prophet. I'm called to be an evangelist. And I used to find that really confusing because I, I just didn't know what God was calling me. I didn't align with that. They had a really deep sense of conviction about those things, but I, I just didn't. And that was really confusing for me. I didn't know what God was calling me to. And unfortunately, the teaching I had around the time of this was pretty poor. It was primarily based on giftings, and which sort of seemed to divide more than it united. It, it was like a separation of those who have and those who have not. So instead of uniting us in callings, it was actually separated. And that was just a poor teaching that I was exposed to. Now, obviously, giftings do actually have a, a role to play in our callings, but they don't define our primary calling. They actually exist to support your callings. Giftings are there to support the call of God in your life. Uh, so I want to focus a little on that area and hopefully provide a little bit of clarity around that as well. So next slide. What is calling? My belief is that it is the belief that God has an intended, specific, unique plan and purpose for your life. And that's for everybody here. You young guys here. God has an intended, specific and unique plan and purpose for your life. And what our job is to do is to recognize that and understand what that is. Experience has taught me, though, that you don't get the whole picture. It's an unfolding journey. Now, callings also don't usually just appear. They usually start off as a gifting, like I just said, and that we operate in, and then they evolve. And as we continue in that gifting, it then evolves into often a ministry. So we start doing things in church, we know we'll be praying for somebody and we'll, we'll start to see ourselves maybe prophesy or get words of wisdom or different things. Or maybe you've got a pastoral gift where you're sitting down the back and you're actually just listening to somebody and providing 
an ear or care or wisdom. And then it's through that experience that we journey through that and then it, it grows into a ministry. And then from that ministry, as we commit to it and we align to it and we recognize it, that it then goes into a defined calling or an office. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 to 18 says, For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if you should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So just going back to what I was saying about individual callings, they, uh, they're there to support and nourish what we do. We also have corporate callings. So individual callings are like what I said at the beginning, which are the specific um, aligned to a vision and a purpose and a plan that God has for us. Individual uh, corporate callings are when the body is what the body specifically do. So it's the mission that God has intended for the local church to fulfill. And this is usually founded on an overarching vision specific to the church. So look at Pine Rivers here. You guys have a vision for this church, for this region, for how you serve this region. There's a vision that incorporates the Mercy Center, which is a part of what you guys, that, that is part of who you are. And it's the vision and purpose and plan that God has for this church, for this community. And that's how interesting, though, that, that when you have, we look at a corporate calling, we can align to it quite easily. But when we talk about individual callings, it gets a little bit complicated because it's personal. And we've got to trust God with what he's calling you to. But he has set the members in each one of them in the body just as he pleased. And every one of us here have a role to play incorporating into that body. So hearing God call, what does it look like? This can look many ways. There's no one defined way. I'm just going to give you a couple of examples and some tips. But the best way I would describe it is that it's a journey. It's a journey of discovery. It's a journey of self-discovery and of discovering God. To give you some practical ideas, though, to help you navigate through all of that as well, is that you often get pieces of the puzzle so you won't get all of it, but you'll get a piece. Maybe it's a seed, and it starts off early in your, in your walk. So to identify the call of God, recognize your giftings. What giftings you have, what, what aspired giftings you have. What are your natural giftings? Second one is recognize what ministries you're drawn, drawn to. What do you find yourself compelled or drawn to the next one is identify what you're already naturally engaging in in church life and ministry and then when your giftings start to blossom 
others will often recognize it and they'll call it out. And that was my case. I would say, to be honest, I knew from the first six months of being a Christian when I was 19 that God had called me to pastor a church. I quickly dismissed that. (laughs) I quickly ran away from that. But over the years, people have been saying to me, Chris, when are you going to start a church? I'm like, never. (laughs) Why would I want to do that? I didn't, I couldn't grasp what God wanted, wanted for me because it was bigger than me. And I think a lot of us could probably relate to that. But then it was, the journey went on. And then 12 months ago, Kurt comes and has dinner at my house and then breakfast the next morning. And then he sees something in me and he just has that key to unlock it. He responded to, to something God told him in that moment, which then unlocked me. And that's, it was like a blossoming. I just, I realized, okay, I can't run away from this any longer. So I want to encourage you, you know, it's scary letting go. And, and, and this will lead to me in my next part of the message, which is about hindrances. The biggest reason I didn't recognize it was because actually I didn't want it. My heart wasn't open to receive it. But I will say this, resistance is futile. Most definitely. If God wants you, he's going to get a hold of you. And so it was actually my circumstances that spoke to me. I'll talk about that in a minute. So I'm going to go through some of the hindrances, which are fear and doubt. Fear is the tension between holding on and letting go of your life. It's that place between letting go of control and trusting God. It's a really uncomfortable place. Sometimes we feel, I think, to be honest, I think we feel like we're going to miss out in life if we really give our lives wholly to God. It's like we're going to miss out. But that's just not true. We know that Scripture says that he who desires to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for his sake will find it. Now, doubt comes, I believe, from my experience, is from a lack of understanding our identity in Christ. It's when we don't have that firm foundation of who we are in him or how he sees us. When God starts to speak to us about calling and who we are and who he sees us as, we're unable to grasp that kingdom dimension of what he's showing us because we are still seeing ourselves through our lens. This is why worship is important, because we get his perspective. So 18 months ago, I was at the end of a long season of not knowing where I was going or what I was doing. Every door of opportunity would shut. Literally everything would just shut up and nothing would work. And we'd lived in this realm of just everything working really well. But literally everything shut down and we did not know where God was, what I was doing, what the next thing was work was, nothing. And in that time, I struggled to hear God's voice. I was very uncertain about the future, and being a man of a family of five, including myself, 
um, I felt the pressure. My wife's looking to me for direction and I couldn't give it to her. Strangely enough, or interestingly enough, it was in that season that I was actually able to break down and let go and trust God. It was in that time that I was able to stop, get on my knees and say, okay, I give up. I can't do this anymore. I don't know what's next. I need you. And I can't do life without you. So in order to get my attention, he had to dry up the wells. See, I've known what he's called me to, but it was fear and doubt that gripped my heart. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'm actually going to give now, Abraham is actually a good example of someone who responded to the call of God. So next slide, please. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He knows what he's called to. We've got part of the picture anyway. And it's the promise. So he responds. Then he went out not knowing where he was going. So he didn't have the whole picture. He had no idea where he was going. He just knew, trust God, I'd follow him. He won't let me down. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him in the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Uh, next slide. It's also Hebrews. No, Romans, sorry. This is a, reiterates the story pretty much. By faith, um, sorry, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he promised, he had promised, he was also able to perform. See, Abraham didn't follow or allow fear and doubt to grip his heart and control him. Instead, he chose to walk in faith, trusting in God, in the promise and the calling that he was called to. He had confidence that God would fulfill his promises. And that last line is actually quite critical, critical, sorry. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. See, when God's going to call you to something, he's not asking you to fulfill it in your strength. He's asking you to trust him, to rely on him to fulfill what he wants to do in and through you. So what does it look like when God calls you and how do we respond? Recognize your gifts. Uh, next slide, please. Recognize your gifts, your skills, your ministries that you're already operating in, what you already have in your hand. And what, what, what do you have in your hand? Use that. Start with that. You won't get the whole picture. There will be a journey involved. We just need to learn to be still, patient, and let go of control. Partner with the work that God has already begun to impart in and through you and trust that he will be faithful. Embrace God in that moment. So and then we come to what has God called us to? Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So our first calling is actually to worship. Before I go into other callings, let's just talk about what our first calling is. It's actually to worship. 
And how good was the worship this morning? Like, it's just such a, a beautiful gift that we have that we can come before a holy God and we can just let go. And what I love about worship is that time where you, you can go from just being in turmoil to absolute peace. He gives you perspective. You go from looking things through your micro world here to like soaring with the eagles. You get a bird's eye view of things. That's why worship's really important. As we behold him and seek his face, a transformation takes place. We start to see ourselves as he sees us and not as we see ourselves. We take on his heart and begin to reflect his image. And our mind and our will and emotions start to return to their kingdom origins of the image that God has originally designed. Hence the reason why worship is important, and it's our highest calling. The next calling is in verse 39. Next slide. It's fellowship. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second calling is to people. All people, both in the body and out of the body. It's to operate as the church, as the body of Christ here on earth, and in continuing the ministry of Jesus. Now, I'm going to state something pretty obvious here. We've all heard this before. This is not church. This building is not the church. We don't come to church. We are the church. The church is not where the redeemed of the Lord gather. It's when. It's when we gather. And it's very easy when we practically come to church Every Sunday, we're in this mindset because we're conditioning ourselves through our habits, right? It's very easy to go that way, but we really need to remember we are the church. We are the body of Christ. When we gather and function as the body, we are being the church. But if we don't function as well as the body, we're just a social club. The emphasis is on functioning and movement, right? Uh, Next slide, please. Uh, We've already done this one, but I'll read it again. So this is a great example of why it's important to embrace our individual callings so we can function as a whole body. Every part of the body has a unique and specific calling and purpose. So every one of you in this room, you, you are a part of a body, whether you're the finger or the toe or the leg or the head or the ear, whatever you are, you all have a role to play. And I understand that if I operate in my calling and role in the church, which serves to nourish and edify the whole body, and then you do the same, and then you do the same, and everybody here does the same thing, then we are edifying and nourishing the body of Christ. We've got to create circulation, yeah? We need to get the blood flowing. Now, as the body functions in its role, the natural progression from here is actually mission. So the whole purpose of us coming together, we worship together, right? We align with, with the kingdom of God. We come back into our understanding and being transformed into our original identity before the fall, right? Through Jesus. We have community and fellowship with God. Then we have community and fellowship with one another, 
we grow, we nurture and support and edify one another. And the purpose of all of that is to continue the ministry of Jesus, which is to go and seek and to save that which is lost. That is our purpose. That's our existence. That's our major calling from here onwards is to go into the world. Now, I will just highlight a concern here as well, which you might identify with. For many of us in, the, in, the, in church, I think we've aligned with, uh, we've reduced the idea of mission to a single ministry. So, I know I have. So, for instance, Kirk, the pastor, pastors. But then you've got someone who's evangelical, evangelizes, or the prophet prophesies. The missionary does missions. But the, the fact is we're all called to missions. We all have those gifts to function together. The pastor, pastors, the, the prophet brings the prophetic, the evangelist does evangelize, but we all can operate in and out of those giftings contextually to whatever situation we're with people. And I just want to emphasize that point. The whole purpose of the church is to serve missions. Everything we do is meant to lead to missions. The end game is to minister to the lost. It's not just for us to have a fat old time before heaven. It's not, it's not for us to just enjoy God's presence. That's a privilege, but the end game is missions. It's to continue the ministry of Jesus. So this next point I want to emphasize as well is that, which is a little bit contradictory almost, the church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. I'll say that again. We, the church does not have a mission. God's mission has a church. Um, yep, there we go. The church is God's gift to this world. We are part of God's rescue plan for the whole world. It is not the church that has a mission of salvation to fill in the world. It is the mission of the Son of God and the Spirit through the Father that includes the church. And mission means our committed partic- I like this one. Mission means our committed participation as God's people, at God's invitation and command in God's whoops, spelling error, own mission within the history of God's world for the redemption of God's creation. I don't know about you, but I just find when I read that stuff and I hear that statement, it takes a whole lot of pressure off. I don't have to rely on my strength or my capacity or my capabilities because the reality is that actually not, it's not dependent on that. If I do that, I will fail. So... What does mission look like? Our mission is to, com- to fulfill the mission of Jesus, which is to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, next slide, please. God has called us to go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give and in Matthew 28 19 to 20 it says go therefore and make disciples of all the nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we know that we're called to missions, but we're called to God's mission, right? Just take that pressure off that we have to fulfill it. Secondly, Jesus has delegated his authority to us. He's gifted us with his Holy Spirit to help us along the way. We're not alone. And we need to just step out in faith and partner with him and let God do the rest. So what does it look like when God comes calling? Our last slide. Know this, that God has an intended, specific, unique plan and purpose for your life. I know that's a bit of a, a cliche phrase we've had in the church. God's got a plan, a purpose for your life. But he does. He absolutely does. The challenge is being still and giving time to recognising what that is. And it may not be clear. You might, for me, I just had a seed that just slowly grows. But we know that in the kingdom, it's all about seed. It starts with a seed, then it goes to a sprout, then it goes to a seedling, sapling, then it goes to a tree, and then it produces its first fruit. But before it gets to that tree of where it's producing fruits of multiplication, which is more evident, there's a whole series of growth that it has to go through. And so I want to encourage you, seek what that seed is. If you don't know what God's called you to or you're a little unsure, ask him to clarify it. There's a journey of transformation, but he is able to fulfill his plan. We are God's gift to this world. You may not feel like it, but we are. The world is depending on us. Our job is simply just a partner with God.